Has anyone ever told you that 80s cartoons were just toy ads? Well, in this episode, we're going all yo-jo on that theory right after this. Let's go back in time. We can just hit rewind. What a terrific notion. It's cartoon commotion. Hiya, friends. Real quick, just to hype us up for our topic tonight, we have another terrific cover of uh, by Jiggy Da Piggy on his banjo. And this time, it's the original G.I. Joe movie theme intro. This movie was never shown the way that it was intended because they learned from mistakes with the Transformers movie that scarred children for life with the death of Optimus Prime and wound up deciding not to kill off the leader of the Joes, Duke, the world may never forgive Hasbro for breaking our hearts, but at least this tune is really epic. Arguably, it sounds even better on banjo. Take it away, little buddy! <laughs> Wasn't that spectacular? Uh, now remember, this is a live show, so there is a chat for you to join in and be the commotion in Cartoon Commotion. Go right ahead and blow up that comment section! If you're listening or watching the replay, you can find us live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So if you'd like to add to these podcast episodes with your own ideas and inputs, you just get on over here where we're live and join in in the commotion. I'm Cade, your favorite cartoon weirdo, and this is my pet pig, Jiggy. <coughs> Together we rewind to the tunes of yesterday in the 80s and 90s to find a new perspective for your life nowadays. Before I forget to mention it, we are brought to you by the fine folks of the Serial Box Network, and this morning I joined them for their Scooby-Doo discussion on the flagship show back of the Serial Box. Check out SerialBoxNetwork.com for all of the shows on the network. In this episode, we are taking a look at G.I. Joe and how it was totally more than just a toy ad with you. For this episode, uh, it's just you, Jiggy, and myself. Our special guest has a lot going on in his life, so he couldn't join us. We wish him all the best, but we also have a lot of nostalgic Joe stuff to talk about. So it's on with the show. And uh, now... We have to welcome in the Commotion crew. Hiya, friends! Let's see, who's here? Facebook user says, Go Joe! It's actually Yo Joe, but I'll settle. I'll settle for <laughs> Another Facebook user says, What a ham! Maddie Murray says, I love Jiggy. I'm thinking Facebook user is my friend Jay. Hi, uh, one of you is Jay, I know. Maddie Murray says, I love Jiggy. Well, he loves you. <coughs> And that was him saying he loves you, too. And that's all the comments we have so far. Remember, guys, you can join in. This is a live chat, a live discussion. And it wouldn't be a commotion without the commotion in, car well, you know, in cartoon commotion. <laughs> uh, before we get started, we have got to do a breakdown, a breakdown of what it is that we're talking about. So let's bring up this image of now back to G.I. Joe for a little you know, visual as I break it down. Here we go. 
1982, Marvel Animation and Marvel Comics were commissioned by Hasbro to, com- to create animated comic book ads for their new G.I. Joe toy line because the restrictions on comics were lesser than on animation at the time. But the ads were so popular, they created the five-part Mass Device miniseries. This eventually became a full series. G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, aired from September 12, 1983 to November 20, 1986. It had a total of 95 episodes. The stories usually feature the evil terrorist organization known as Cobra attempting to take control of the Earth and G.I. Joe's task force of unique operatives taking them down. Of course, I should also admit up front that this was always a toy line first. The Joes were always toys, starting out in 1964 as full-size 12-inch dolls, much like Barbie, but for boys. With a war theme, it's appropriate with old Barbie and Heimer going on in the, in the world today. <laughs> Comment if you understood that reference. Alright, the height of their popularity really occurred when Hasbro got Larry Hama of Marvel to construct their story in 1982. Before Marvel, there really was no Cobra, and before the animated commercials made to sell the comics, there was no cartoon. 1983 is when G.I. Joe hit the peak of their popularity, and no other variation over the years has ever matched its success or its spirit. Though a few have come very close. And that's the breakdown. I've seen a few more comments here, so like, let me bring it up. Here's Jay, Julian Murray, and I'm guessing... I, I know... <laughs> no, I know you two are related. Maddie Murray. It's not Jay on Facebook. So Facebook user, go Joe. I'm not sure, sure who you are, but let us know if you can in the comments. That would be cool to know who I'm talking to. Thank you for joining us. All right. So, Chiggy, why don't you strum us into our main topic? Friends, prepare yourselves because this is our main topic. Facebook user says he is go he says go Joe again. I'm Scott Hitchcock. Well, thank you for joining us, Scott. It's good to see you. You're probably in the Facebook group, the Commotion Crew. We do have a Facebook group page, so head on over there if you can, uh, if you're not there already. The heart of a hero is today's topic. Now, the main reason I want to focus on this is because these 80s Sunbow Marvel productions are usually seen as just toy ads, created to brainwash children into getting their parents to buy them stuff, and I seriously disagree with this. It's so bogus. Let's rewind. Because the writing in these cartoons are just expertly crafted to stir up feelings in us for the well-being of the Joes. That's right, buddy. Every great story causes us to care about their characters, even a little bit. And I gotta say, there ain't nothing more compelling than a character who's willing to lay down his life for his friends. Or better yet, I'll quote the Bible. John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And it's so well represented in these cartoons. For this episode of Cartoon Commotion, I rewatched the first two G.I. Joe miniseries, The Mass Device and The Revenge of Cobra. These are both five episodes long and feature a host of characters to get to know. 
the standout characters in these first series uh, were Duke, I got a slide right here, Duke, Scarlet, and Snake Eyes. Uh, for Shizzle Jiggy, Snake Eyes was especially a power player in this. He was willing to sacrifice himself for the rest of his team and the good of all mankind. And I have some more pictures. Uh, this is his team. They're in the Arctic, I believe, and they're retrieving radioactive red crystals, but we'll get to that in a second. This is him risking his own life and sacrificing himself for the good of all humanity. <laughs> it's intense. And this was just the first, like, I, I, the first miniseries, I think, second episode going in? Yeah. So, Snake Eyes was on the team going after those radioactive crystals in the Arctic. In order to protect the others from a radioactive gas release, he lowered a blast shield in that mine that separated them, letting them go free and forcing him to stay behind. That was, like I said, intense. Hold up. Uh, little tangent. Friends in the chat who grew up with this show, do you think that Snake Eyes was a mute character because they didn't want to pay for another voice actor? Or do you think that it was for his character development? I think it's a fair question. But moving on. I... So you should know, of course, in these shows, the characters obviously can't really die. The writers couldn't really do that. But you see, I, I don't think it's really about the death of a character so much as the act of putting others before themselves. It's such a radically heroic way of doing it, too. So this is a picture of Scarlet and a single tear falling from her eye as Snake sets down this barrier between them. And, you know, this got a little confusing in the comics, another little tangent, it got a little confusing in the comics because the comics had Snake and Scarlet as a couple, and in the cartoon, uh, Scarlet and Duke were a couple, so that's, it's a little different. Uh, but here, you know, I kind of see them tr treating them as almost like a, a sibling sort of way between them, a sort of sibling love. Uh, do, do, do. I have another slide here. Here we go. This is him shortly after saving Timber. But we'll get to that in just a second. What's going on in the chat right now? We got some more comments. Mr. B-Man says, It's great that we we were taught with G.I. Joe to respect our country and its true heroes, our veterans. And that's a good that's a good comment. Yes, it's very true. Facebook user, and that's Scott Hitchcock, I believe. At the time at the time I was a huge fan of ninjas and was always looking for the next appearance of any ninja-like. Mr. B-Man adds, and military. George Bueller of Fanatic Forum. Great show, we just did a show the other night. He asked, did Snake Eyes Sacrifice give you Wrath of Khan vibes? Yeah, kinda. I think, I think there was inspiration from other properties going on here. He was a mute in the comics due to injuries suffered during a helicopter crash, says George Bueller. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. I know later on there was there was a little bit more uh, depth and different variations of, uh, of G.I. Joe and how he became a mute. There was also a variation where he just took an oath of silence, I think. That So that could be an option. But... More likely the injury was, you know, it could have happened in, in that way also. 
Oh, that's right, Jiggy. It's such a great moment, really. He's walking out of the mineshaft, and those Cobra Troopers were just like, the dude's glowing red, I ain't going near him. Oh, sorry, I don't have a screenshot of that. So it's this sort of glowing situation, and he's he's leaving the mine, and the Cobra Troopers are coming in to retrieve... Uh, they're coming in to retrieve the thing that he's got, like this canister, and he's glowing, so they're just like, I ain't going near that dude. Shortly after he escaped, coming back to this screenshot here with uh, Timber, he, even though he was soaked from head to from head to toe in radiation, he still hobbled over to aid this wolf that he found stuck in a bear trap. And like I said, it became known, known as Timber, a loyal companion who stuck beside him for the rest of this first miniseries event. And, you know, most likely other, act uh, other times as well. I... Again, I have to revisit other episodes and find more Timber appearances, but this is where it started. You know, I think, if nothing else, uh, I think Snake Eyes and his entire character arc here added heaps of heart to the first G.I. Joe series. Now, then again, there was also a relationship between Duke and Scarlet, like I mentioned earlier. But we'll get back to that in just a minute. We're going to check in with the comments one more time. I got another comment here. Scott Hitchcock says, Absolutely, doing my best to keep it alive with younger with the younger generations, sharing G.I. Joe and He-Man with Marley. Okay. Scott Hitchcock, very good. Share it, share it with uh, your your family. It's awesome. Sherry Edgen says, Hey yo all. Yo, Jiggy. Oh, you too, Cartoon Commotion. Uh Cade. Cartoon Cade, you're calling. <laughs> Thank you. And Jiggy thanks you as well. Thank you for being here. It is, I, I will be honest, it's a lot more challenging to juggle this without a guest because I'm so used to bantering off of someone. It's kind of, it's very interesting to try to do this on my own. But here we go. All right, so back on topic, we were re revisiting the relationship of Duke and Scarlet. These two were some of the first Joes to be introduced. And boy, oh boy, were they introduced. They were clearly a couple from the beginning. And I like that they did this because it showed you that there were some personal stakes in their war. Like when Duke was captured and held prisoner by Cobra. This happens in both miniseries events. But I think this first one did that better because it gave us this emotional angle with how Scarlet handled things. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. I almost jumped ahead. Um, right, Jiggy. <laughs> Sorry. Towards the end of the first series... She would rather... That, that's that's exactly what I was about to get to. That one, right there, Jiggy. Thank you. So, she would rather crash, crash Destro's ship than let Cobra win. So she was held hostage by Destro, and she was ready to just, like, let the whole thing crash in a ball of flames than let Cobra win. And, you know, it's hard to deny that there were personal emotions tied into it, like, like I said, with this situation where Duke is captured. In the second miniseries, the highlights go mostly to Roadblock in a similar situation to Snake Eyes in this first miniseries. Uh, okay, yeah, Jiggy, that's fair. There was uh, a lot of comparisons we could make between these two miniseries. 
but there's still value in this that wasn't in the first one. Like the camera perspective shots and that unique climax. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you can agree with me there, buddy. The finisher move ties back into Roadblock's struggle, but first let's get a screenshot of Roadblock up here. This is Roadblock and Duke when they reunite, as Duke has been captured for the second time. Comment section's up again. Facebook user. That last one wasn't Scott. <laughs> the ninja stuff was. Okay. It's hard to tell on here. Sorry about that. Sherry Edgen says, didn't they want to kill Duke? If so, why didn't they? They didn't kill Duke, as I said earlier, because they killed off Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime's death was a signal to that, oh, this would be, it would be a terrible thing if we killed off Duke. This is a bad move, so they, they wound up not doing that. George Bueller says, he's an interesting, or here's an interesting tidbit. Flint and Lady J were a couple on the show, and later the comics would mirror this relationship. That is interesting. And you know, they actually followed up with Flint and Lady J's relationship in uh, Transformers with their, their daughter in that show. That's really cool. Jay, Julian Murray says, Alt timeline, Jay. <laughs> Thank you. I actually, uh, that's uh, something that nobody's going to understand, but if they do understand it, I'll give them $5. Facebook user says, Are you talking about how they use robots for the enemy team so that way they weren't killing any people? That was Scott Hitchcock. Thank you for putting your name there. Uh, not exactly. Uh, I know that they use robots, but what I'm talking about is when they put characters in situations that would be almost threatening to their lives to where they would uh, kind of put themselves at risk for the greater good of all mankind and the Joe team, other people, just putting others before themselves, and that sort of heroic selflessness. We got another comment. Scott Hitchcock, he says, and also showing parachutes. <laughs> I mean... Okay, so yeah, those those things are true. I'm not saying that that didn't happen. It's just that specifically talking about here how they went above and beyond to demonstrate the heart of a hero. So in the first half of The Revenge of Cobra, Roadblock, Flint, and Mutt were all trapped in a pit of killer vines. And I have a slideshow, uh, a slide of that with Roadblock fighting against these killer vines. Uh, Flint and Mutt managed to escape, uh, but Roadblock had to stay behind if their little makeshift chopper got out. So in a way, he sacrificed himself for his crew, struggling to tough it out with those throat-choking, man-killing vegetations all night long. It was pretty intense. I know, right? It was such a great way to highlight his strength and the strength of his character. We got another slide here where he's hanging on to this chopper for dear life, and, and they're like, we can't make it. He says, go on without me. They don't want to leave him behind, but he still decides to stay behind for the greater good of his crew. And I was... I thought this moment was pretty intense. And they, you know, these two miniseries at least captured a lot of that intensity, that heart of a hero that I'm talking about and represented it well throughout the show uh, from start to finish. Friends in the chat, do you have any fond memories of the bold heroics of G.I. Joe? And how about Roblox here? How he was represented and introduced in the second miniseries. Already we got to see how he was good friends with Duke, and that's really cool. 
we'll come back to the chat when you have some more comments. Anyways, in the final act of the Revenge of Cobra, Roadblock got some much-deserved revenge. Payback, if you will. Using those same killer vines against Cobra. With a little water, the vines went wild. Capturing Cobra Commander himself in their wake. And we have a picture of this right here. Cobra Commander being held up. It's, it's actually pretty humorous. <laughs> it, it was an outstanding return to sender moment. And the perfect finish to the story at the same time. Yep, we got some more comments in the chat. What's going on here? Mr. B-Man says, I saw online that Cobra Commander wasn't human. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, kinda. <laughs> I mean, uh, initially he was considered a used car salesman from uh, the comic books. Um, <laughs> went evil. Uh, but he was also from, uh, in the cartoon, he was from an organization called Cobra Law. And I, I don't think they were human. I think they were snake people. Like, it's been a minute since I've seen that, but I'll get back to you. We'll probably do uh, some bonus content on G.I. Joe eventually, because there's a whole lot to cover here, and I, I could not possibly capture all of Cobra and, and G.I. Joe's battles in just one live stream. So hang out with me for a while, subscribe, and stay tuned for more. We've, we've got a lot to go over with G.I. Joe. And we got some more comments. Facebook user, Death by Sp Spaghetti Squash. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could say that. Toy Stalker from ToyStalker.com says, Hey, my dude. Hey, hey, and welcome. Callan Hawkins says, Hey, hey, hey. One of my favorite shows. So glad to be here. We're glad to have you, Callan. ToyStalker.com. ToyStalker says again, I was also a Cobra guy. I liked rooting for the bad guys. Well, I love Cobra Commander, but more like because he's... He's such a pathetic... <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how to word it. I, I don't necessarily love the big strong villains so much as I do the ones that are like whiny babies. <laughs> I mean, he throws a tantrum every time he loses. He'll throw things. There's the In the second miniseries, when Zartan steals the Weather Dominator pieces from them, he he's like, he's so ticked, he smashes the console, like the electronic console thing that's right in front of him, and shatters it this it's hilarious and like technician guys come in they're like you need help with something and he's like they're like you, you we heard something go wrong and, and he's like i'm fine get out of here <laughs> i i just love his personality i mean comment if you love cobra commander's personality also i'd love to hear what you guys think george bueller says i wonder why the writers decided to make roadblocks speak in rhymes i you know, I don't know. I think it has a lot to do with, like, I guess the rap mentality. Um, I mean, Jazz from Transformers was also kind of rhyming now and then. It wasn't really uh, a long thing with either of them, though. Like, in this second miniseries, he was rhyming, but it wasn't, like, the whole thing. He ended up doing other things as well, like, uh, saying other things. It's just, you know, like, when he couldn't rhyme, I guess. So... But, you know, for the most part, in this second miniseries at least, I really enjoyed his presence and his comeback at Cobra here. This was epic. Like, he comes out of nowhere with these vines. Uh, well, at least to everyone else. He, like, you, the audience watching, we saw him, like, through this struggle. We're, we feel bad for him. And... 
I'm sorry, I just read another comment. Um, we feel bad for him because he's struggling with these vines like all night long. And so like seeing this payback moment was a real payoff. All right, Sherry Edgen says, hey, I watch GI Joe a lot and I don't know what the GI stands for. Um, are you sure? I, government issue, I believe. Government issue is what GI stands for. But chat, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Kaleen, or Callie, no, Callie Hawkins says, glad to be here. Just love, okay. I think you said that already, Callie, but it's good to see you still around. Thank you for being here. Yeah, this moment was epicness. That vine crushing moment was awesome. It was like perfect payback. Okay. Alright, Jiggy. This is gonna be a short show, buddy. Because we don't have anyone to add to the conversation right now with uh, some comeback information. We're going to get into the final act. I know it seems early, but like I said, without someone to banter with, it's a little bit harder to make these segments a little bit more detailed, you know? So, you know, if you want to be on the show, Message me, uh, cartooncommotion at gmail.com. All right, Jiggy, strum us into our final segment. Jiggy, you there? Jiggy? Okay, uh, Jiggy? Jiggy? Okay, he's ready. <laughs> he fell asleep on us. Hold up, where do you think you're going? There's one more thing we need to talk about. Okay, uh, the, the voice of a hero. Just so we're clear on this one, I'm not at all trying to say that no one had a voice outside of this man. Uh, I must admit, this show empowered women, and it broke barriers, and I, I never felt I needed to acknowledge them before because I was raised to see past them, but this show did a lot of firsts. It had a lot of firsts in the 80s. Um, it did it well, too. Like many 80s and 90s shows, but this one brought the American spirit. I know, I know, Jiggy. I was getting off topic a bit there. We are talking about the man behind the voices in this show, and in Transformers, the voice director, Wally Burr. He was a stickler for performance, and he made sure that every take was exactly how he wanted to hear it done. This is according to many accounts of the voice actors working with him as their voice director on both shows. Wally was a soldier himself in World War II, and his experience in war clearly brought a lot of sincerity to his to the performances of these characters. Besides the voices themselves, his direction of their performances shaped the way we would experience the characters they brought to life. Friends in the chat, feel free to chime in with your thoughts. Did you know about Wally? Did you know that he was in World War II? It does explain how this show somehow felt so authentic among the campiness of the ridiculous plots of Cobra he would put the world through <laughs> what's going on in the chat right now we got some more comments 
George Bueller also says, also, Roadblock proves that members of G.I. Joe know their own theme song. That's true. He was singing it on this. Sherry Edgen says, sleeping on the job, Jiggy? He did fall asleep there a little bit, but, you know, he was getting sleepy. <laughs> Mr. B-Man says, I put Jiggy to sleep. I guess I was a little boring there. Sherry Edgen says, thanks, Dave, for your info. Cade, you were right. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, don't, I didn't see anything from Dave. Sherry Edgen says, I heard you did an awesome Cobra Commander impersonation on another show. Will you do it again? I kind of did a little Cobra! Cobra Commander! <laughs> so I, I hope that was good. Um, if there's something you want me to say, I think uh, George Bueller on the other show, on his show, Fanatic Forum, wanted me to say, Quit sputtering like a wet toaster! <laughs> Or something like that. It was like, stop sputtering or quit. It was one of those phrases. Um, Facebook user says, Scott, uh, this is Scott Hitchcock. He says, I did not know about Wally. That's awesome to learn. Isn't it? Wally was in war and he was such a stickler for these performances and it really shows. And, you know, honestly, without this stickler of a, of a performance wizard, I doubt either of these shows would have had the same level of heart that they did in the end. No, Jiggy's right. This was a blend of quality materials making up one very outrageous art piece, which still encourages, encourages us to this very day. Wally sadly... Oh, Sherry Edgen says something. Is it true they wanted Rocky Balboa to be a Joe? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I do know that Sergeant Slaughter became a Joe, so there's that, but... Uh, I have no idea about Rocky Balboa. That's That would be interesting to look into. If anyone knows anything in the chat, let me know. Wally sadly passed away in 2017, but thankfully we have many humorous behind-the-scenes moments with him on these bonus features. By humorous, I mean they were they were all complaining about how Wally was such a stickler. It's great. Um, so you can find that on the bonus features of Transformers and the G.I. Joe sets. So without him... These shows just, they would not be the same. Okay, friends, there's so much more we could go over in G.I. Joe. This was just the tip of the iceberg, and we'll probably eventually revisit this topic for more deep take greatness. Check back often for bonus content, and even perhaps more full-length episodes. Jiggy? Oh, Jiggy wants me to remind everyone still here to slap that like button if you've got anything out of this episode of Cartoon Commotion. We both really appreciate that. But hang on. Before you go, the whole point of this episode was to point out that there... It was not just a blatant toy ad. Let's get this uh, slideshow out of here. And I'll come back full uh, front center, pull up some comments, we'll talk to you guys. But, um, you know what? I am a genuine toy collecting nut myself. And I am absolutely thrilled that this series made me want to buy toys of the characters from within it. Okay? Really. The, the way I see this, uh, the way I see it, is that my collectibles are sort of like souvenirs or mementos to remind me of great adventures and the friends that we've made along the way. Great, connect, uh, great characters we connect with are a lot like good friends. 
this show didn't brainwash anyone or sell toys just for the sake of selling toys, because nobody ever bought a Joe that they didn't actually want to own. All right, I see some more comments, so let's pull those up and chat for a minute. What we got here, uh, George Bueller. Wally Burr was responsible for casting the voices of numerous roles of so many shows we love today. And I found out that he was actually the voice of uh, quite a few characters, too. Like, he was the voice of Adam, the, the Adam, on Super Friends. That was interesting to learn. So, if you want to look into Wally Burr's history, that's, that's in and of itself very fascinating. George Bueller says, yes, LOL. So, I think he's talking about Rocky Balboa. I did not know that. That is funny. And very interesting. Mr. B-Man says, I only knew that the theme song came on, I was ready to watch. Oh, oh, when the theme song came on, I was ready to watch. Sherry Edgen says, I think the writing was really good. It really was. And George continues on uh, Rocky Balboa. The deal fell through, but his nemesis Big Boa still made it. Wow, interesting. Sherry Agent says, love your show, Cartoon Commotion, Cade, and Jiggy. And Jiggy loves you, too. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Sherry Agent. Epic to have you. And Scott Hitchcock says, although I grew up in the 80s, I never had any G.I. Joe figures or accessories. Aw, Scott. Well, now's the time to collect, buddy. You're, you can make money and go out and get some figures. They're, they're awesome. They got some, you know, collector art figures, and they got full-scale figures, and they've got detailed figures, and I know George Bueller collects the classifieds. Sherry Edgen's talking about the original 12-inch G.I. Joes and how they made good action figures to pair with, their, with her Barbies. And I was actually mentioning that at the top of the show, so if you didn't catch that, please rewind and check that out. There's a lot of information that I kind of put up front so if you want to learn more about that history, that's all up there in the breakdown. And in this episode of Cartoon Commotion, I wanted to focus in on the heart of a hero and what it means, uh, like in, in their the way they represented self-sacrifice. So that was the focus of this episode. There's a lot of other ways that we could take this, uh, a lot of other places, focusing in on the villains, focusing in on their plots. And I think I would like to do a lot more bonus content on them. So stick around because we're going to talk more about G.I. Joe in the near future. This is not it. So, like, come back for more. Now, now we got to just uh, wrap this thing up. This show did not brainwash anyone or sell toys just for the sake of selling toys. As I said, nobody ever bought a Joe that they didn't actually want to own. Thank you for joining us, Commotion Crew. You guys in the chat put the commotion in Cartoon Commotion, and we could not have the show without you. Until next time, keep it unreal. Before you go jumping over to some other piece of content out there, if you really enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend, or even someone you'd barely consider a friend, or perhaps someone you'd rather not be friends with. Just share it with anyone who might enjoy it, because friend, 
you were a part of this. You put the commotion in Cartoon Commotion. Much like our Patreon supporters, Eric Grant, Marsha Sullivan, Carrie Cube, Cade Utterback, and Toystalker.com. And just in case you forgot in the last 60 minutes, this show is brought to you by the fine folks at the Serial Box Network, SerialBoxNetwork.com. Again, all I ask for your time here is a quick like and share to your social media platform of choice. There's literally a share button on everything. It doesn't take longer than 20 seconds, and every bit helps get the word out about this podcast. Now then, play us out, Jiggy! Thank <laughs> you.